So welcome to the journey. Uh, Kylie Lewis, you've been uh, on the show a couple times and a couple of different capacities, and, and we've gotten to know each other uh, quite a bit over the last uh, few years. You and Dalton have become good friends of myself, and now uh, with some of the other work we're doing, you've uh, also been uh, involved with Diane, uh, helping us out with um, Out of the Ashes. But, um, mm-hmm. Well, welcome to this episode of The Journey. Um, as we always do as a beginning, just to talk a little bit about what The Journey is, um, it is just having conversations about the stories of transformation and, and what is exactly that meaning, how, how people um, you know, fail forward, how do people recover from um, setbacks or losses or when things don't work out. And... Uh, the idea of having you on today, you know, we've talked about a couple different things, but um, also with just transitions. And uh, and I know you and Dalton had just recently uh, spent some time out in Colorado and um, had gone there for, uh, it was a little over a week, right? Uh, five days. Five days, okay. Yeah. It felt like a really long time, though. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm grateful for that. <laughs> so, so tell us a little bit about, um, about the idea about the trip and what you were doing, and then... Um, as you have, have definitely atten- attempted to do more in your life, the intent of what you want the trip to be. Yeah. Okay. So first I just wanted to say, as you were talking about like the idea of the journey, mm-hmm. I think what's so interesting about, I mean, personally me sitting here and I'm sure anyone listening can relate to this. Like I had this idea in my head that the journey was something that happened once like once I went through it, then it's done, it's over with, and I figured it out. Sure. Like I made it through. Yeah. And um, I'm realizing right now, like in my life right now, that I'm going through another mini journey or another part of my journey. Mm-hmm. And you never just arrive. Right. And I thought because I came clean of drugs and alcohol and and all these destructive habits and I I got healthy and I feel great and now I'm coaching women and hosting retreats and workshops that I um, made it through my journey Mm -hmm. but it's not like that (laughs) (laughs) at all (laughs) but but I do think that is a very because I thought the same thing you know I thought it was very much a straight line versus a circle of this this continuous never ending um, circle it's just where you at on the cycle of the mm-hmm. circle i I was thinking of it more of like a like a race right or so of a graduation okay so now I've arrived now I've graduated and but yeah it's yeah. it is now what <laughs> yeah and there is that next piece so so yeah so I think that is part of the realization as well is Someone can say that to you, but until you come to your own rec- recognition that um, it's, it's a continue evolving, a continue developing, mm-hmm. um, you have to experience yourself. Yeah, that's so true. So, or like in my case, I'm like, yeah, it's going to be different for me. I'm gonna, yeah, yeah, I know that's how it says in the book, but I, it'll be yeah. different for me. I, I will graduate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, no, I got this. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so Go ahead. So what, tell us a little bit about what was the idea of Colorado, why Colorado, and mm-hmm. where were you guys at in Colorado? Yeah, so um, <clears throat> three years ago, we actually moved to Colorado when our lease was up here in Rockford, and my boyfriend and I. Uh, we sold mostly everything we owned, packed up the car, and we drove west because we had friends there. Mm-hmm. And it was just outside of Denver. We spent some time there, just a couple months, and we loved it, but we didn't stay. So we ended up moving to Arizona and then moving back here. And now we've been back in Rockford for two years, and we haven't left up until this recent trip to Colorado. Um, we chose Colorado just because we we loved, we knew we loved the area, specifically Boulder. Um, and we wanted to see what it was like to live there. Mm-hmm. And we didn't make any plans. Like, we resisted the urge to, you know, I mostly had to resist my urge to want to plan out the trip. Mm-hmm. Like, let's go for a hike. Let's, you know, make plans to meet up with friends or family members that we have out there. And even that, I think, is hard to just book an Airbnb and be like, we're just going to chill for five mm-hmm. days and, sure. and quote, unquote, do nothing, mm-hmm. right? Um, 
the intention of the trip was to get away from the constant doing mm-hmm. of, um, you know, we, we all have that, that tendency to constantly do. Mm-hmm. But I think there's also a unique um, thing that happens when you're an entrepreneur because there's no time clock. There's no turning off. Um, so we're constantly having ideas. And from morning till night, we're like, we feel like we should be doing something. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to check out. So Colorado felt like a, a place and five days felt like a, a good amount of time that we could just go and check out. Okay. So you guys stayed in, stayed in Boulder, mm-hmm. right? And what would be some of the things, I mean, you, you said this idea of resisting, resisting the structure, resisting having it planned out. Mm-hmm. Why do you, th- for you, what do you think planning things out, um, having that structure, where did that come from? Where, tell me, how, yeah, tell us a little bit about where that came from, where that, yeah. that became your, sounds like that became your norm then. Yeah. Um, so you and I both are reading the book, The, Unt- the Untethered Soul yeah. by Michael A. Singer, and you're reading it for the second time. Um, something that he wrote in there is, and I might be changing the word slightly, but it's like, if you want to know why you do what you do, then stop doing what you do and see what happens. Mm-hmm. So something I've recently learned through that trip and then the couple weeks after is that I personally find um, purpose in accomplishing and having structure so that I can feel, one, like I can control my circumstances, right? So that I I know what's going on. There's no uncertainty because uncertainty is terrifying for our human brain. We want to know, like, who's going to be there, what we got to wear, what are we going to eat? You know, what's the weather going to be like? All these things um, just so we can feel like we're in control. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that when you let go of that, fear creeps in because you lose control. And that's really terrifying. So whether it's a trip or a party or um, your week, I mean, it it's literally comes down to like a moment to moment thing. If you look at your day, the way that you gather things like it's it's so circumstantial, like circumstantial happiness. As long as I know we're going to do this at this time, as long as I have my coffee, as long as I have my, I mean, my list used to be different, but I still have a list. Mm-hmm. So n- my list used to be as long as I have my makeup bag, mm-hmm. like I'm good to go. But if I lose that thing, I will panic, like I will freak out. Now it's like if I don't have my magnesium, mm-hmm. if I don't have my greens, <laughs> you know, <laughs> then I'll freak out. So um, I think just playing around with that letting go of the structure um, is a good challenge for yourself to see how much you can choose your happiness regardless of outside circumstances and regardless of your amount of control so let's let's go back and just for the sake of kind of diving down just a little bit more mm-hmm. about that idea of control right yeah one why do we think it's so important why does Kylie think it's so important? Mm-hmm. And two, then why certain things then allow the sense of control? Like you said before, at an earlier time period in your life, there was this yearning for control, which I guess that was the desire to not ha- not be out of control. I don't know what that means. but um, And then if you had your makeup bag, then you would be in control. Yeah, that was one of the many things. Well, yeah, well, <laughs> and then and then that's transition to you. You were talking about uh, certain supplements or certain foods or whatever. W- let's first talk about the idea of uh, for for you. What's that idea of control and why is that necessary? Mm-hmm. And and maybe as you as you dig down, and it it could be not only yourself, your own personal observation of yourself, but also as you've observed. Or that's been validated or affirmed with others, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think for myself and as well as the women that I've worked with over the last few years, it seems that nearly everything uh, that we fear or that we try to control stems from our childhood. Mm -hmm. Um, For me personally, I think about, like, when I was young, my parents divorced, and the divorce itself, I think I actually talked about this on the last time that we had a uh, podcast together, 
Um, the divorce itself was smooth, meaning they were really cordial and uh, they let us choose where we wanted to go. There was um, no yelling or fighting or anything like that. But we moved a lot. We moved like eight times in a really short period of time and I changed schools a lot. So I think for me, a lot of the control maybe um, started there, like this fear of, well, all this stuff is happening outside of me. My parents are divorcing. I have this new house all the time. I have to make new friends. I can't control all these other things. So um, what can I control? And so then things, <clears throat> when you're younger, you know, it's, it's things like maybe food. Um, because that's something you constantly have. And I definitely watched my mom do that with me and with herself, um, which I think a lot of people do maybe with their children, you know? It's like you have to finish everything on your plate. That's my way to make sure that you're that you're taken care of. Right. Um, and then as you get older, those things just change or, or, you know, add on. So I guess the control comes from uh, avoiding pain, like we talked about. Like, I don't want to feel uncomfortable. So if I can control certain circumstances, then I think I can control whether or not I feel pain, yet it almost always leads me to my pain because now I'm super sensitive and I need certain things in order for me to be happy or safe. So the idea of uncertainty, right, and um, not, not knowing, something bad could happen or, or, or something may or may or may not happen. I, I, I ju it just struck me when you were talking about your experience after the divorce that you moved eight times and or you went to eight different schools, right? Eight different places that I lived. So not eight different schools, okay. but we lived in like my grandma's house, my dad's apartment, my mom's apartment, oh, my mom's new okay. house. Yeah, just kind of. So, so, f so the school and in that aspect of maybe the neighborhoods were changing as as you would move to different places mm -hmm. but when you were during the school year you you it was just basically the same group of people all the time yeah okay. so basically kindergarten through third i went to one school then fourth through sixth i went to one school and then seventh and eighth another school and then okay yeah so even that right is there was a to have to meet new people again right and yeah and, and that for some people is a pretty scary thing. Mm -hmm. um, I think it is for most people, you know, to, to go into a new school not knowing anybody and am I or am I not gonna be accepted? Mm -hmm. um, how do I get accepted? And, and a lot of times um, during that developmental time period, our peers mirror back to us what we see about ourselves. So if, if we are being accepted by, our, by this group of people, then we feel like we're acceptable. Mm -hmm. If we're not being accepted, then what's, what's wrong? Mm -hmm. You know, um, what's wrong with me? Why am I not being um, picked on the kickball team? Why am I um, uh, not liked or not um, considered this lunch table or, or whatever that may be? And sometimes mm -hmm. it's maybe overt things like, you know, you know, being picked on or teased or whatever. Other times it's just much more subtle and if you're the new person you figure out well what ways can I be accepted what way can I be brought in mm -hmm. um, what, what was it like for you I mean when you think back about that time period what was it like with those early transitions yeah it's so interesting when you talk about things like that because there's so many specific little things because our minds are so fascinating. Like, mm -hmm. I don't remember everything. Of course, we can't, right, yeah. but we, we make, like, themes out of things. Mm -hmm. So it's like, oh, this whole school, maybe three years, I remember one thing, mm -hmm. and then that whole three years is that thing, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, one thing in particular I remember, and it's wild because this girl who, who said this, um, she now comes to my workshops, and she's great and she's mm -hmm. going through her own journey and I'm so happy for her um, but when I had just started going to this school um, I remember I wore a skirt to school and I love I was so excited about the skirts like Abercrombie and it was expensive and I just <laughs> loved it it was pink and she called me a slut and I was like 
I don't even know how old are you in fourth grade, like nine or ten years old. Okay. Really young. <laughs> so I was like, I had to go home and ask my dad what that word meant. I, I literally didn't too. know. <laughs> and of course, my dad's like, it's a it's a girl who kisses a lot of boys. Like he said something like my dad would say and I was like but I didn't kiss anybody I'm so confused um but yeah I mean that was that was like one moment that really sticks out for me Mm -hmm. so instantly then I felt I mean knowing everything I know now of reading all the books and doing all the work it's like well then what story did I tell about showing my legs or wearing a skirt Mm -hmm. or um you know anything around that like I was totally innocent then what did I think about myself what stories did I come up with Mm -hmm based off of that one experience. Um, And then adding on to that, like I got really good grades. So I, I think I was somewhat like teased or, or like resisted because I got good grades. So then it's like, Oh, you're the teacher's pet. Like you're, Mm. you know, that was my extent of bullying or, Mm. or teasing. Sure. Yeah. So I think all those different things can play a part into why we um, want that structure, right? Why we want um, a certain level of certainty. And for some people, their certainty is constantly wanting something changing, right? Because they don't want to sit, you know, so they, so their, their constant is always moving and changing, right? Where others, their constant or their normal or their order is wanting things to be exactly the same all the time. They don't want to do anything out of their, their routine. Mm-hmm. And, and I think in, in, in both cases, if we stay too long there, um, there there's going to be um, there's going to have there, there's going to be problems because we have to use ad, more and more energy to try to thing try to keep things in that homeostasis in that constant state. Mm-hmm. As you said earlier, homeostasis is what we are gravitating toward. At the same time, that there is this other component of growth. And growth can't come from homeostasis. It can't come from being still, or uh, not being still. That's not the right way to say it. But um, uh, of things staying exactly the same. Yeah. And so it, it's this tension between this desire for um, understanding, desire of mastery, desire of of um, that homeostasis, but at the same time of growth and development and and change yeah which is it's really relevant for me right now that you're saying that because um like as you start to and I'm maybe you experience this too yourself it's kind of what we just talked about of like wanting your journey to be like done and figured out mm-hmm. um when you or at least when I started to coach women and host workshops and and help them I found that I definitely have something to offer them. Like I can definitely help and I can see things that they can't see or I've gone through things that they haven't yet gone through or I can just lend support, you know. Um, But that doesn't mean that I don't have growth still to do myself. And right now I'm kind of stepping away from helping and and, um, teaching and guiding and trying to retreat and and look at what do I need to work on still? And what do I need to learn still? And how can I lead myself first, you know? And it doesn't mean that I have to go in and work on myself for the next five years and I can't touch anyone else's stuff, mm-hmm. but I, I got lost. I started to get lost, and this is where the Colorado trip really came in for me. Um, I started to get lost in finding my worth and helping other people and finding my purpose and um, even getting addicted to that feeling of posting on social media and having people say how much it helped them. It's like Mm. the most pure thing that I have pure intentions and they truly feel helped can somehow wind up um, giving me a hit of dopamine or Mm -hmm. a hit of you matter, you're good enough. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I became attached to. So I let go. I didn't post for five days, which is silly, right? It's like five days. That's so short. (laughs) But it's probably the longest I've ever gone Mm -hmm. um, since I've gotten into this regular thing of of posting. And I have this group of 2,000 women on Facebook that I feel is waiting, you know, they're Mm -hmm. waiting for me to post, which is not true. Um, But they're feeling, like, connected there. Mm -hmm. And they're feeling supported there. 
So I make up this story in my head that I have to post five times a day. I have to go live, you know, all Mm -hmm. the time. And that's a lot of pressure to put on yourself. And it also doesn't help anyone if Mm -hmm. I do that to myself. Mm -hmm. So for our trip, I didn't post for five days. It felt really great. It felt weird, Mm -hmm. but it felt really great because I made a decision. Mm -hmm. Like, I am not going to post one single photo while we're here. Like, even though I'm so excited to be here, I want to share it with everyone. I'm not going to post at all. Um, So when we got back and I started to slowly step back into posting and sharing, it felt, one, it felt um, a little bit like dirty. Like I felt like I just wanted to keep the trip to myself. Mm. Um, And then the other part of me was hyper aware of how much I looked to sharing on social media for that hit of I'm good enough, Mm. I matter. Um, So now I'm, I'm... I'm really conscious about how do I want to step back in? How often do I want to post and share? And um, maybe I don't want to do it in the ways I was doing before I left for the trip. Um, Just like feeling like I constantly have to. And that's an interesting space for me to be in. And, And my community is also in a weird space because I say things on there like, hey guys, I don't want to post or I'm, I'm going to go off the internet for a couple days and they're like I want to do that Mm -hmm. but they don't know how to do it either Mm -hmm. because they're stuck too so I think that's a really interesting thing that I've been realizing is how much I've been using accidentally um, helping other people to validate that I matter Mm -hmm. so you and we've talked about this many times here on the journey and and it's the it's the actual template of, of of the of the journey is First Campbell's work, Joseph Campbell's work, The Hero's Journey, and then how Richard Rohr, uh, at least I was first introduced to um, him reframing it um, instead of um, it being broken down from the call um, out of the normal to the initiation in the dark night of the soul or into the woods and then the return home is the three main segments of what Campbell talks about it. when I heard um, Richard Rohr talk about it, he talked about order, disorder, and then reorder. Mm. And and I think, as, as you were originally talking, that this is a continual cycle. Throughout our life, this is continually happening, sometimes much more dramatic than others. Um, other, other times, it's going to be a little bit more subtle. And whenever we're um, in a a growth mindset. Um, we're, we're looking toward growth. Um, uh, for me, if I if think of, about individuals who um, have different spiritual um, uh, spiritual disciplines, uh, and sometimes those spiritual disciplines are tied to a specific religion. Other times they're d- just tied to things that they've kind of brought together themselves. Um, but the true essence of that is continual growth. Um, but again, growth not necessarily in a linear perspective, not necessarily always ascending. Um, I, I know for me, I thought growth was always about ascending, right? Mm-hmm. Um, accomplishing this, um, going farther. And many times, growth, especially spiritual growth and emotional growth, it is more about descending. Um, when I first started doing men's work, it was about descending into um, your wounds. And that those wounds or those impressions that happened earlier on in your life and the stories that you told yourself when those initial impressions happened, they're not up here somewhere. You know, they're not something to, that you're going to attain. They lie down um, in the belly of the whale. They lie down in that deep cave. And as you mentioned, that we protect and then we cover up and we don't want people to see. But... The underlying is what ends up dictating things that we do. Maybe as, as polarized as this is what I always do and this is how structured my life is always and I don't want anything messing with it. Mm-hmm. Um, or the opposite. Um, I can't commit to anything. I can't follow through with anything. I always want change. Um, and then, you know, the, this one's super responsible and that's how we affirm that. And the other one over here is super spontaneous and and that's how they're affirmed mm-hmm. um and i think uh 
just like you've been doing, being aware of yourself that, okay, like certain words for me are cues that I may be staying too long in that order. Um, should, I have to do this, I'm supposed to do this, I should be doing this. Those are indications that I'm now doing this for some other reason, mm-hmm. right? And, and uh, there's no doubt about helping individuals um, utilizing social media. There is um, validation. There's affirmation. They have the, they're set up specifically part of part of their system. Part of the logarithm is set up liking, sharing, mm-hmm. commenting. Um, that's all that aspect of being affirmed or validated or getting a response. And for some people, if they get a negative response, that's affirming. Don't fully get that. But um, but that's that's how they have figured it out because in their mind, well, they're doing it uncensored and they're telling the truth. I don't know if that's any more truth. You're just being more crude about it. I don't, I don't you know. Yeah. Um, or doing it in a... In a life-taking or negative manner and um and so just being aware okay um why am i what am i looking for with Mm -hmm. that um at the same time i think it's okay to um i just did a talk not a couple weeks ago and it felt good It, it i i could feel during the talk before the talk during the talk I was in this flow, and it felt like everything was flowing. It, 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 uh, uh, I was in that zone, that space, and it, it was. I was watching myself in it, and watching the hundred plus people that were there, and um, I it just felt it felt good afterwards. Because I had other things going on that day, I posted about it first thing in the morning, and I had other things going on that day that I was involved with, and I had you know I had a post about those different things, and I had something the, the very next day. I forgot to look and see about how many people commented or liked that particular one, but the impression that I had when I was doing it, I knew that it was good. I knew that it flow I knew that that was a good experience um normally that I would want um I want more I want to know more about how well did I do and I noticed that I noticed afterwards that I hadn't even really paid that much attention Mm -hmm. I don't know if that was I if I'm being honest I don't know if that was intentional um because I had other things going on um but but I, I do know that I thought back about that mm-hmm. and went, it didn't matter if it was affirmed in that way through that particular medium or not. Um, I experienced it. I knew what it was. Yeah. You know, um, I, I experienced it. I, I observed it. I, I you felt were there. It. Yeah. 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 Um, so I, I think any of those times when we – that when we look at something and we go, what am I staying too long here? Um, what's my what's my why? That's all questioning the order. That's all questioning um, question that piece and being open to um, looking at it and what's the attachment to it. And that's the that's the work of of, of being in that dark night of the soul, that initiation process, or that chaos or disorder, and us talking about it is an example of reorder or bringing it for other people to see what they're going to do with it and mm-hmm. maybe give them permission to um, to do something with their own in their own journey. Mm-hmm. So, so what as you as you came back um, and you're in this space what what is what are some of the things that are are getting mirrored back to you right now um, about what what you may want to be doing what you um, because you know, you and Dalton have a lot of energy and a lot of ideas. So there's, there could be a, many different shiny objects that could <laughs> pop up during a week for you guys. And you could go and get chased after them. How, yeah. What have you learned about not chasing after every little offer or every little shiny object that's out there? Yeah. That, I mean, that idea right there is something that um, 
I think I've had to gradually learn over time that started right at the beginning because in the beginning I needed money and so I chased after anything that could make me any money which you know it served me yeah, we call that hustling yeah <laughs> exactly right there it's a positive yeah, thing yeah. yeah I was hustling yeah. and I was good at it um but now I think you know I'm so grateful to have Dalton because he's helping me he's he's you know it has to be constant to remind me but that I don't have to hustle and that he's gonna kind of he's got it right now so for me I can relax which is like okay thanks but I still can't you know like I'm still letting go um but what's interesting is that right before we left for the trip we uh, were cooking food and there's a TV in the kitchen. Sometimes we watch videos on YouTube. And I just had this feeling that I wanted to watch this abstract artist that I used to watch years ago. This old man, he's like in his like, I think he's like 89 years old or something. Um, Jonas Gerard is his name. Okay. He's an artist in Asheville, North Carolina. And he basically throws paint on the canvas, like complete flow state no plan at all, listens to, like, jazz music. Like, he'll, he'll have, like, a live saxophone playing, like, and people are watching, and he has so much energy. And so we watched him paint, and, like, I was overwhelmed with this feeling of, like, I need to paint again. Mm. And I haven't painted my own work for, I mean, I really haven't had my own studio for four and a half years. Mm -hmm. So I've done little things here and there, but... Um, it's almost like looking back, obviously it's clearer when you look back on it. But when I started to teach painting classes and we started to travel, I let go of my own work. I, I started to teach other people. Mm -hmm. And so it's almost a, a mirror of the inner work too. It's not that I stopped my inner work, but when I started to focus on helping women, I, I kind of stopped reading books for myself and I stopped going inward and I started to go outward. And so now it's all kind of coming full circle where I feel like I want to paint again. I feel like I want to express myself just to express myself. Mm -hmm. And uh, we went to Michael's the other day and because Dalton was really encouraging of that. He's like, okay, well, let's get you canvases. You know, let's get you a big canvas. And I was like, no, <laughs> let's get me a tiny canvas because I'm scared. So what's the difference between a big canvas and a little canvas? From a non-artist standpoint, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know what that means. Investment, um, literally money. Okay. Because I think if there's money involved, then I'm wasting the canvas. There's more pressure mm. to make it good. That's a story that I am telling myself. But um, so, like a big canvas is a bigger commitment. Is that what? <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. There, it's like okay, a small canvas is like five dollars. A big canvas could be like. $50. Okay. So for me, I'm like, if we start small, it's cheaper. I have less pressure for myself. Mm. Um, but although if you flip that around, then maybe I would I would care more if it was a bigger canvas. Maybe I'd do a better job. I don't know. Mm. We got the little canvas, and um, I took it outside, and I set myself up like a little you know, spot to paint and um, turned on music, put, a, put my headphones in, and I had this little mini journey of painting and I learned so much in 30 minutes mm. about myself and about, you know, all this stuff that we're talking about. Yeah. Because the whole time I was trying to finish it. I was trying to get it done. I was trying to get my journey over with. Like I wanted the painting to be done so that I could go show Dalton and we could be like, oh, right, you're a good artist, you know? So, so validation mm. of I'm good enough. Um, getting it done, like just wanting it to be over with instead of enjoying the journey and enjoying the process. Um, not realizing that painting should be for the experience, just like life should be for the experience, not to get to the destination at the end, which is death, right? Mm -hmm. The end. Mm -hmm. Like I was literally trying to get it over with so that I could, one, not be in it anymore because it was uncomfortable, mm -hmm. and two, so that it could be good and I could say, oh, I'm good. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I, I'm a good artist. I'm mm -hmm. good enough. Mm -hmm. And so that then I could post it online and then I could probably sell it and then I could make money and all the stuff. Mm -hmm. So after I got done painting, you know, within the painting, it took on like 10 different lives. And I kept painting over and over and over it, which is the natural process of an abstract painting. Mm -hmm. And um, 
when it was done, it wasn't done. Like I just have a canvas with a bunch of paint on it now and I can return to it sometime if I want to. But I cried after. I had so much to release. And it wasn't like I was sad. I was just like, wow, all this stuff just came up in my head while I was painting. You know, like I just want to feel good enough. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to rush to the next thing and the next thing instead of just being in the moment. Mm -hmm. And I have a lot of work to do. Um, but we all do. Mm-hmm. And art is such a great tool for me to go in and be alone with myself and face all these fears and all these self, all the self-doubt that I have and um, not come out the other side and, and be done with a journey. Just come out the other side and be like, oh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff in there to work on mm-hmm. and to experience. You said um, something that keeps ringing through my head when you were just talking was um, good enough. What, what is that for you? Yeah, yeah. Um, one, I don't know what it would look like hmm. to feel good enough. Uh, a woman named Marissa Peer, she, her life's work is helping people um, realize that that's all of our core wound is that we don't feel something enough, Mm -hmm. smart enough, tall enough, fit enough, um, pretty enough, whatever it is. And I think I've had glimpses of it, um, which never has anything to do with me, nor any of my abilities or circumstances or the way that I look. Um, I think that 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 is the only thing that's true about being good enough is that it cannot be tied to anything that is circumstantial or um, fleeting. Mm -hmm. So the glimpses that I've found are in uh, really when I'm not thinking about myself, (laughs) you know? Like, for instance, last night, Dalton and I were watching a movie and uh, Blow, of all movies, but in it, he loses his um, his girlfriend, and we were both just like crying and 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 holding each other because you just realize that you don't want to lose. Um, <laughs> sorry. Gratitude, you know. You feel like when you can feel gratitude for what you currently have, then you feel good enough. (laughs) You stop chasing. You stop chasing more and you just sit in whatever you have, even if it's uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. like right now. (laughs) And you just feel it. Um, so I think, I think that's what we all want. We all, the women that I work with, my family, myself, we all want to feel like this moment is enough. Mm -hmm. And that's really hard when you think that you have to keep going and you have to keep doing more and achieving more and, um, It's so simple, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's really hard. It, it has become so counterculture. I was going to say counterintuitive, but I don't think that's correct. I don't think it's how we were wired. I think it's what we've become. Um, I don't know if small children are constantly... Um, children are a great example of being in the moment, yeah. right? And, um, and at some point, something shifts, either because of the influence of the, of the older, taller people around them, and, um, and everything is Disney World. And instead of just you know, enjoying the ride, it's about hurry up and run to, to the next ride, instead of just embracing and, and savoring the, the experience. Diane and I and Dylan and Rob were celebrating our 25th and 35th wedding anniversaries over this weekend and Diane um, the ongoing joke was that um, Rob my brother-in-law 
um, always, you know, always loved hot air balloons, you know, and, and, and I have, they have no idea somewhere along the weekend, this, this got, um, started and Rob's got this look on his face, like, what are you guys talking about? Cause that's not necessarily really ever been his thing was hot air balloons, <laughs> but somewhere along the line, both Diane and Delinda were convinced that he had this, you know, he liked hot air balloons. Anyways, we went along. Uh, we we went to see the um, the Galena um, balloon race, hot air balloon race, or whatever. But we got there early enough. The weather was really didn't know how it was going to go. It was touch and go. It was uh, and they we were delayed by two hours. But we got to listen to some out music being played outside, and um, them setting up these hot air balloons. And we just sat and watched them and watch these balloons fill up. And um, we just sat there and watched them. We were together and watched that experience. And it was, and for us, it was the first time any of us had ever experienced that that that, that before. And um, I don't know how long we were there. I mean, I think it was probably like four hours. Um, but um, it, was, it was cool just being there in that space um, and just watching these kids rolling down the hill, and this one family had it, it was a young couple, a husband, well, I'm assuming husband and wife, maybe not, and um, they had uh, four small kids and a big dog, <laughs> uh, and and these three older kids watched the dog and the little one who was so little in diapers and a pacifier and the mom and dad were just chilling sitting on you know you know lounging back on this on this hill on a blanket and they were all in eye view but it, it was um it was pretty cool to watch because I don't know if I would have been that would have been able to sit back and just watch that um, when I was that young, I would have felt like I needed to watch them closer because there were so many people around and there was all this stuff happening. And they just seemed very comfortable, and the kids were like, I mean, they were all around. But it was it was just it was a great experience just to watch and observe that. In the background, in the background, the balloons were getting filled up and they were lifting off um, of just being in that moment and. Um, other you know and it meant nothing more than just there was no other thing about it than just experiencing it um that that was that was definitely one of the cool things from the weekend one of the highlights from the weekend of watching that family watching all this other stuff happening um and being as you said grateful um just to be part of that you know and um so that was what just for the audience to, to know obviously it brought up a bunch of emotions for you just a second ago um and so somebody listening may may not understand um because that may trigger for them emotions and so if you were going to describe what you were the story you were telling what you were thinking as those feelings were coming up what how would you describe that? Yeah. Um, actually, thinking of the book again, mm -hmm. The Untethered Soul, mm -hmm. um, he talks about how all of us have pain around our heart. Mm -hmm. And it could be there for so many different reasons. And it could be built up over time um, from different experiences we have, different things people say to us, different things that we're afraid of. And we all have this layer of fear and and pain around our heart so our heart is closed and what we don't realize is that if we were to just face that and to let that feeling fill our body to to consume us so basically what I've been trying to do over the last few weeks really the last five years is to feel my discomfort mm -hmm. then what lies beneath that is ecstasy is joy, is love. It's the stuff that makes you cry for no reason. Because sure. <laughs> it's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. 
And we all want that feeling so bad, but we're not willing to feel the pain that we have to feel in order to get through that layer, mm-hmm. to get past it, and to see what's on the other side. Sure. Okay. So that's what comes up. Okay. So, you know, and I think there is that, um, that just reminded when you were saying that about those messages that either have been told to us through our, our family culture or the common culture that we grew up in. Um, for me, it was uh, real men don't cry. Mm-hmm. And that was one thing that I had to unlearn that. Um, being emotional, being someone who is um, empathetic, that well, that was pretty counter, pretty not who Kevin was. I wasn't mm. being consistent with Kevin. And just when you were just saying that, it reminded me of going back to this balloon rally and this music was playing in the background. Music, for me at least, definitely influences my my emotional state and, uh, and triggers that. Again, not sadness, but there were certain songs that were being played and now all of a sudden I've noticed emotions coming up. And was it tied into the space was it tied into watching this family this the, the song all these different things and and all of a sudden there's there's tears coming and not tears like I was crying crying but I could just feel that emotion coming up and there was a time period where I would suppress that I would not because what's wrong with me you know and and not want to feel that and and do whatever I could to distract myself to change the channel and 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 not experience that um and i and i committed a long time not a long time ago a couple 20 years ago or so that i would allow myself to experience you know to experience that um there's more work for me to continue doing because maybe it comes up in different areas that i need that i may resist it um and i think those are all those things as you were talking about going through this process right now of in the in the disorder right deconstructing the the order and in this this space of not for sure knowing questioning um challenging um looking looking at things there's going to be things that are going to come up and i think he talks about in the book or maybe i or somewhere else i got this is if your tendency is to talk when uncomfortable then practice being silent listening. If your tendency is to be quiet and retreat when um, you're uncomfortable or uncertain, then that's where you need to move into um, by, by, by voicing it. Right? And the, it, there's no one way to do it. It's, it's being aware of what is your tendency for your order and then um, at least start doing the opposite of that mm-hmm. and then seeing where that goes um, and I think is a good place to start um, yeah. in that in that element always having a schedule and then going out to Colorado and not having a schedule right mm-hmm. and and just saying okay we got a couple things here this is where we're, this is where we're at and everything else is we'll fill in the blanks on the way there mm-hmm. so um, it is as you think about other things that are happening right now, as you're in this space of disorder and and this dark night, now obviously you're still doing things. I mean, we're here talking about it, right? Mm-hmm. And and you're 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 still um, participating in other other things at the ta- same time. So it, I guess it isn't. I guess people. I want people to know that it, it's not that all all world stops that you go off and it'd be great if we could just go on top of a hill and just meditate for four weeks and not um, not do anything but I also know for me um, when I'm in that space and I'm being open to the different teachers around me and the different things that can teach me and I can learn from it's also by interacting it isn't sometimes it's contemplative being contemplative on that side of the mountain by myself other times, it's by doing ordinary life and being contemplative there. Mm-hmm. So, so talk a little bit about that. Yeah, that's actually been um, that's been hard to figure out simply because the lifestyle that we've created for ourselves, which is pretty unique, um, 
allows me to basically sit on top of a mountain mm -hmm. and not do anything. And that's not like, oh, you're so lucky, right? It is different from most people because I don't have kids. I don't have a job. I don't have any events booked that I have to do. Um, <clears throat> although I'm doing this podcast with you and I've continued to do my own podcast, that's like once a week. Mm -hmm. um, so there has been a little bit of interaction, but I've also kind of retreated, um, you know, like seeing my family because when you're in a sensitive place, it's only been a couple of weeks, but when you're in that space of where I figured I was going to cry today because I'm, I mean, I'm crying every day. Mm -hmm. I haven't been in that type of place for a few years mm -hmm. where I just cry every day. And it's not sadness. Again, it's just like, oh, I'm feeling stuff. Yeah. I've let myself feel. So um, that's been an interesting place. And I'm right now figuring out, okay, I do want to interact. And so I, I will see my family a little bit. Um, I'm going to make plans to see some girlfriends. And I think that's where you really have to ask yourself, one, what is necessary of me? Like, do I have kids? You know, I have to take care of them. Do I have a job I have to be at? Um, do I need to have a girl's night? You know, do I need those things in my life? And, and making sure you don't seclude yourself and don't just be in solitude all the time. Because like you said, that's not the only way mm -hmm. um, to learn and to grow and to heal. It's not. We need the interaction. And that's kind of where I'm at even now doing this podcast and kind of I'm feeling the energy the momentum kind of building to where I don't know what I'm gonna do but it's I'm slowly bringing more interaction in mm -hmm. after a couple of weeks of real um, solitude mm -hmm. I remember um, talking about this idea of as we're searching our, our, and, and going from this order to um, to disorder and in personal growth and I know for me early on um, 25 around that years ago there was this desire from a spiritual and vo vocational and emotional standpoint of what is my why what is my vision what's my purpose and um, and I was heavily influenced by um, uh, Lakota traditions and ceremonies I spent um, some time um, with my uh, original spiritual mentor, and um, and he had taught me quite a quite a bit um, about traditions and ceremonies, Lakota tradition and ceremonies, and um, one of them, though I didn't do it in the traditional way, was a vision quest, and and this was actually before I met Joe, um, I had went out and spent some time um, just seeking, um, asking God, what is. What does he want me to do? How does he want me um, to contribute in the community, in, in the universe? And that question for me helps me um, try to um, put something greater than myself first instead of putting me first and then trying to make all the decisions that way. Um, and that was real important for me to be able to um, keep that perspective because there's a lot of things that I'm going to do because of fears, because of uncertainties that I'm, I'm going to gravitate toward. And if I have some other thing that's greater than myself, um, and for me that, that is um, God, that I'm going to try to follow this order, um, um, the order which is not structured, not typical not my not my typical that was an experience and uh something different that was an experience that was a different experience for me and and so i talk with my therapist a lot about because they want to come and be clinical therapists or working in the schools or whatever that may be and then when they get the opportunity then there's this fear am i going to be good enough um and it's i i feel so honored to be able to do therapy and and to be able to teach because of people are choosing to spend their time with either wanting to change for growth sake or they want to change um, uh, because of this pain because of this thing that's holding them back mm -hmm. and to get to create space and be in that space but also the reality that I know that I'm just a vessel mm -hmm. for that healing to happen yeah. Um, either to mirror things back um, 
or be be a vessel for something greater God to work through mm-hmm. but or for them to discover that God is already within them and and their greater self is already with within them um, it it the times when and I just did a talk on um, burnout and compassion fatigue and the times when I take a client home with me um, in my head is when I've attached the story somehow their story attaches to something in my personal story mm-hmm. and then I attach I attach that maybe it's uh, did I do a good enough job it could be that um, or it could be somehow I relate something that's being said to someone in my inner circle mm-hmm. and then that's where it hooks me mm-hmm. um, or um, or if I if I if for some reason I fall in a trap of taking credit for some kind of healing, that that's also going to hook me too. Because mm-hmm. if I'm going to take credit for helping them heal, then I'm going to take credit for when it doesn't go well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm not really want to sign up for that. And so, mm-hmm. so it's it's that it's that um, it's it's that balancing, making sure um, uh, that it's it's about just creating space. And the healing is really on them, or the learning or the development is on them. And and kind of like going back to that talk I did a, um, a couple weeks ago, it was just that flow. And I was aware enough to recognize as it was happening mm-hmm. um, to be able to um, to experience it. And that doesn't happen all the time. And um, but when it does, it's a it's a pretty cool thing. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a pretty cool thing to be able to, to see yourself in that space and um, and and see that it's that flow is happening. Um, I think it's important, right? You know, definitely important for you as well as for me and other people that because we're not the only ones going through it. I mean, it's it's a universal journey. Um, and that we're all going to be going through it, and for for us to be able to have conversations, this is a little bit different than the normal shows that we have. Normally, we have a guest come on, and they're talking about their own personal journey, and it's a time and space. It's it's not like right now. It happens to be live, right? This is happening right now in your life, and right. for you to be able to be vulnerable, to come on and, and just talk about while it's happening, and. And not necessarily have answers, but just more of reflections on what what you're experiencing, what's what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, let me let me ask just with just that that what have by putting yourself even in this space, what have you any any thoughts or observations just as just as you've been doing this today mm-hmm. that you've that things either clicked came together or there was resistance or what what did you notice even as we were just just talking the past hour yeah that's such a great question because I think oftentimes we can do the thing and then just leave and be like okay well there's that you Mm -hmm. know but yeah there's definitely a change like one huge thing I think is that when you and you got to be careful with this because you could really push yourself into in a bad place Mm -hmm. but if you feel like you know, you're, you're stuck or you're in the dark night of the soul. Um, it's not that you go and you seek things that are scary or that are going to shake you so that you can get it over with. But um, me sitting here and being vulnerable and sharing with you and not just sharing with Dalton, who I've been sharing with this whole time, has brought me outside of myself so that I can look at myself more objectively because I'm trying to apply, okay, I'm not alone. I'm not sitting in my bedroom going through this by myself. Like everyone's going through this at some point in some way because we're all human. Mm-hmm. So the perspective, I guess, mm-hmm. it, it's relieving mm-hmm. um, to look at yourself objectively as a human being, knowing that there's billions of us and we all have similar tendencies and, mm-hmm. and similar pains. And um, that's relieving. And I guess... Um, the other thing is trusting that everything's happening exactly as it should be mm-hmm. because like your guest that was supposed to be here today couldn't come. Right. And so this just happened to work out. And because I felt like I could do it, 
even though I was still a little bit resistant Mm -hmm. and I'm like, I might cry. (laughs) Um, I still said yes. Mm -hmm. And so I think if we say yes to those things that, that feel like, you know, they're, they're pulling us Mm -hmm. and not that we're chasing after them. It's not like I like made this happen. Like I really want to do a podcast. It pulled me in and I felt like I could, I could surrender and say yes to it. Um, and then it helped me, right? It helped me and maybe it helped someone else. This happened as it should. Mm -hmm. Like that trust is the ultimate thing. I mean, my shirt says trust the process, which Mm -hmm. I made this shirt. Uh, It's so hard to trust the process Mm -hmm. because we want to control it. And our brain is addicted to making problems and to Mm -hmm. finding problems and to solving problems. Um, or but, avoiding them. Or avoiding problems, right. which then creates more problems. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And if we can just trust, then um, our physical body re- relaxes, our our mind can relax, and then we can just go with that flow, mm-hmm. um, like that talk that you gave. Mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. that's where we all want to be, is in that place of this is all happening exactly as it should, I trust the flow of my life. I trust the timing of my life. And having an experience like today, sitting here with you and feeling alive and crying and then having realizations, um, it just makes me trust even more. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's a saying that for me, it's a, it's a reminder. It's a, it's a prayer. It's an affirmation. It's, uh, it's cueing me up, right? Um, it is that um, if, you know, on the way, let's say, going to the gym, right? And um, I, I may do a prayer. God, help me to be open to whoever I may interact with when I go. And, and, and I think, for me, what that tends to do, right? Um, you know that phenomenon? I, there's, a, there's a term for it, you know, but I don't know what it's called. But um, that phenomenon that if you go and, and spend a bunch of energy and a bunch of time and an investment into a red sports car and and you find it and it's very specific and you want it because no one else has this this red um, specific type of car and and that's why you invest your money in it and that's why you invest in doing it and it's also because it's unique and and you're the only one who has one and then you notice after you buy it about a week later how many more people have that little red sports card now besides the fact that you're a trendsetter and (laughs) you change the world you change the world um it may have more to do with this phenomenon that your um reticular activating system there we go that's that's the word right and that now you're tuned into that right and and you're going to gravitate toward noticing Mm -hmm. and that can happen with anything right that if i focus on the negative i focus on bad things happening this is why people say things happen in bad things happen in threes which doesn't really make sense and even if only two happen then someone goes finds the third one right yeah um but it can but we can choose to go the other way we can also choose to be um how to be open and if i'm for me it's praying to be open then it's reminding me to be open and then i'm being open about being open and then in my head there's an affirmation when this interaction happens or someone comes up to me or or i have an opportunity to speak into something mm-hmm. um there's a there's an affirmation that that was an example of just being open i couldn't have planned it mm-hmm. i was just observing a family at a hot air balloon rally mm-hmm. i was just being open to the music because I know how to be closed Mm -hmm. all I have to do is just get fixated on some thought and I can't hear or see anything that's around me um except the things that validate and affirm that story of my negativity Mm -hmm. um or whatever it is I'm focused on so right now as you're in this space of change I think encourage you to just continue being open um and in different things that you can do to remind yourself of that, being open when you're journaling, being open with who you interact with, um, open to opportunities that come up, at the same time being aware, as we've talked many times before, that everything you say yes to, inevitably you're going to have to say no to something else. Mm-hmm. And is the things you're saying yes to, are they the right things for you right now, or are they 
or is that a response to comfort, mm-hmm. order? Mm-hmm. Um, because there'll be a time when you're going to have to do something different than this. And you're going to have to, you, you'll be in a different space because you'll get your, uh, your calling papers. And, and you'll, it'll, it'll be that time to, to step back into um, unfolding something. And that's, that'll be the reorder element. Mm-hmm. This is an element of the reorder at the same time uh, of, of giving back because we have no idea who may be listening to this and they need to know that there's a template. Mm-hmm. And, and this is part of articulating the steps um, of how to trust the process, how to be open, how to be present, how to resist being, how to be open to the idea that if I close down, um, what, what comes with that? Mm-hmm. And, and it may not necessarily be what I really want it to come. And we just want to raise people's awareness of um, what may be happening. Yeah. So. And if I can just add to that, yeah. I think like the simplest thing, and I know I said this in the last podcast we had together, um, it's so tangible and it's the best reminder for me, and that is the breath. Like thinking about opening and closing, if that doesn't make sense to someone who's listening, like I don't get it, how do you be open, how do you be closed? It's very visceral, it's very Mm -hmm. physical. And this whole podcast and before, when I was in the bathroom, before I came in here, I took like the deepest belly breath that I could open through the heart, the chest, you know, the the diaphragm, and physically open. Mm -hmm. And then that will affect your mind. That will affect everything because now you're physically open. You're not contracted. So if you can do that as often as possible before you do things, while you're doing things, um, when you're uncomfortable, literally open to it, like physically open, expand, instead of contracting and closing, I think is, that's really helpful for me. Yeah, so I think, yeah, thank you very much for sharing that because yeah. that's a great example because so many times um, we need to have little examples that have such great value yeah. and, and just invite people to experience that. It's something they can do on their own. They don't have to go somewhere, don't have to, and just practice. Um, yeah. And the more we practice those things and we incorporate into our day, um, the more we'll go to it when um, those other temptations come up to do something different and yeah. control. Yep. Kylie, as always, uh, thank you for being on here. Thank you for being you and being open and being vulnerable and just being willing to uh, continue to be created and in going through your own journey. Yes. So, so, yes, my pleasure. Yeah, <laughs> thank you for having me on. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, This was Kylie Lewis, and you can hear more about what she's doing through her own podcast, uh, Coming Clean uh, with Kylie Lewis. And we will have her and and some of the things that she's doing along with um, her uh, her boyfriend, Dalton, um, in the upcoming episodes. But uh, again, thank you, and um, we'll see you next week.